0: You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past.
1: A young woman tried to give me a seat on the bus. I mean, was she crazy or something? I couldn't believe what she had just offered to do. And it was horrendous to look like somebody who needed to sit down and be given a seat.
2: Former Cosmo Editor-in-Chief Helen Gurley Brown. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. What is it about growing older that freaks some people out? Now you can talk the good talk about growing old gracefully and all that, but some people just don't want to grow old gracefully. Some people don't want to grow old, period. Or at least feel like they're growing old, or be told they're growing old. Such was the case with the longtime editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan magazine, Helen Gurley Brown. After all, she'd built her reputation from the 1960s on being youthful and sexy and vibrant, But facing up to chronological reality, Helen Gurley Brown, in 1993, wrote a book called The Late Show. And that's when I had the chance to meet her. So here now, from 1993, 71-year-old Helen Gurley Brown.
1: I wrote this book because I was suicidal about being older. I won't say old, but older. I never expected to be old. I've always been small-boned and Uh, sort of waif-like, and I move around very fast, and I exercise a lot, so I feel good, and I take lots of vitamins and eat carefully, so I also feel good because of that to get on with it. I have a good job. I've been at Cosmo for a 100 years, actually 28, been married to David Brown for 34, and life is going along very smoothly, and I just never expected to be old. It never entered my mind. I never thought about it. On my 50th birthday, I was on a private jet headed for Palm Springs to go swimming all weekend, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I just never thought about age. And one day, a few years ago, a young woman tried to give me a seat on the bus. I mean, was she crazy (laughs) or something? I couldn't (laughs) believe what she had just offered to do. And I said, no. No that I was getting off the next stop, and I went and hid out in the front of the bus. But that was horrendous to look like somebody who needed to sit down and be given a seat. And there were some other incidents along about the same time, which reminded me that I wasn't a kid anymore, and it depressed me so much to face that idea. I went to a shrink. I think every sensible person has a shrink to get through hard times, although some people are more stable and I do happen to be. Maybe they can work it out for themselves. At any rate, I was so disconsolate, she couldn't do a thing with me. She kept saying, you want to be young? And I said, of course I want to be young. I am young. And she said, no, you're not. You're 64 years old, kid. You're not young. You have to do the best you can with the life that you have left. She was terrible, but very strong. Anyway, she said, why don't you write down your thoughts about the whole subject in a book? I said, nobody will read it. It's going to be so depressing. She said, why don't you give it a shot? So that was seven years ago, and I did start writing it down, and I got to feeling better. So by the time I finished, it was rather an upbeat, is rather an upbeat book, and I think almost any vain woman would find some solace in this book. We know we're silly. We know we are totally ridiculous to still hope to be the young-looking young-feeling, people that we used to be. But if you fight back, you can do a lot better. Would you like to get a little word in here since it's your, it's your tape and <laughs> your show? Uh, uh,
0: what, what's wrong with growing old gracefully?
1: Everything. It means that you have accepted death and dying. You're just going to sit out on the porch and play eat checkers. Oreos, play checkers, uh, visit with the neighborhood children, and some people think that's okay that you uh, quietly move into the sunset i think it's grisly because you've got lots of years of life left and you, I prefer to identify with the other side than with the older side
0: but you know you've also got a point in there you say at one point well why can't we just live without diets and having to you know watch this and that and the other thing you know we've earned the right to to just take it easy and what good is there I'm, I'm paraphrasing you very broadly here what good is there in having a long life if it's a long and very arduous uh, life if all you have to do is keep uh, you know, on the on this uh, horrible dieting and, mm-hmm. and things and this and that why not just enjoy yourself? A lot
1: of people are doing just that and so-called in quotes enjoying themselves unquotes but it's not really very enjoyable if you look like a baby elephant and you move around not very spiritedly and people look at you and think that you're old. I just think throughout life the best things that happen to you are because of challenges what an ugly word but to be comfortable is really like dying it, it's comfort is supposed to be a nice word on the other hand it's a very passive word and the best things that ever come to you in life are because you reached out or maybe you didn't reach out maybe it fell on you and you had to push it away the boulder whatever it was but the challenges are what make you exciting, what makes life exciting, what makes you feel competent because you've met them, whatever they are. And I think if there aren't any when you are older, which there actually are, but if there aren't any, you should go out and find them because that means you're still connected with life, that you haven't gone over to the passive grandmother side
0: You've got a broad range of information in here, but I made a mistake. I made a mistake of reading a review of your book before I read the book. I normally don't do that. And this book, this review, made me think that as soon as I opened the book, the entire book was going to be about sex. And certainly that's an integral part of what you've written about, but that is not all.
1: That's one chapter out of ten. You must have read the Washington Post review, which was just scurrilous I guess <laughs> I have for many you many. you noticed years, that too huh? <laughs> well for many many years I haven't read anything bad that's written about me or about Cosmo life is too short to to be bothered with all the hate stuff if there is any and there is some this review everybody was so excited because we had a review in the Washington Post and I did just skim that and I thought this woman <laughs> didn't read the book that I wrote her she's got her own agenda and indeed this book may not be for everybody but it's for some people and I thought she was off the wall. Fortunately, there was a super review in the New York Times. I'm going to send that to you so I can rid your mind of the original one.
0: Well, I often, I often try not to, but sometimes it's so inevitable. I mean, you, you hear press accounts and you hear gossip. You hear uh, people talking about, oh, have you ever read that new sex book by Helen Gurley Brown? And thought, well, yes, of course. I mean, obviously, you can't write a book like this without one chapter among the others being about sex. But
1: Well, it's one of my favorite subjects, so it would naturally be in any book that I took on, but there is a great deal of material about health and doctors and continuing to feel good and paying for these things without going broke. And I researched heavily. The publisher said no armchair job. You can't just write this empirically out of your head this time as you have your other books. You just go out there and research, and that's why it took about six and a half years working Saturdays, Sundays, and weekends, and vacations, whatever. The material on health is just as good as the material on sex or on makeup and clothes and dieting. I think, not that you asked, but a great deal of poor health has to do with something you're doing wrong. That's a really uh, imperious, fat-headed opinion to say you're sick because you brought it on yourself, but it's true a lot of the time. And I don't think an older person should be in poor health unless you've uh, had some terrible disease uh, visited on you. Obviously cancer and heart attacks are eminent in our lives but even the heart attacks you can help them along by eating tons of gravy and fat and barbecued ribs and all that other good stuff did
0: you hear that story the other day that now they think that there's an you have an increased chance of a heart attack on your birthday
1: oh please (laughs) (laughs) i didn't hear it and i'm sorry you told me i don't think i'm going to retain that uh particular philosophy
2: After this short break, Helen Gurley Brown tells it like it is about exercise.
0: Now back to my 1993 interview with Helen Gurley Brown. But you're right. I mean, if you go through life smoking three packs a day and eating a big, thick, fat-filled steak for supper every night, and you never exercise and you drink like a fish, well, of course you're going to have health problems.
1: I think you could turn people off the minute you mentioned diet and exercise. Those are pejorative words, and I understand that. And having chapters on that in this book, one would think might not help my cause, the cause being to sell books (laughs) to get people to read what you've written. However... There isn't any way, in my opinion, to have a really terrific life unless you do pay some attention to both of those things. Diet, you don't really have to do. You can eat what is called sensibly, and you can get passionate about stuff that's good for you. Rice pudding is my favorite Delicacy, And that's quite healthy because it's made with brown rice and skim milk. And anybody who's eating sensibly will figure out what pleases him or her and eat a lot of it. It might be mushrooms or it might be pasta without any tomato sauce or anything else, whatever. You just can't pig out every day and look very good or feel very good. Exercise is even a more gruesome word or uh, activity to contemplate, but I feel there's so many things you can't do anything about in life. Your rotten mother-in-law, your obstreperous children, your husband who hasn't uh, bestirred himself to do anything about the front lawn for about five years, on and on and on. There's your own terrible disposition that you may not be able to uh, banish, but by God, your body is yours and you can do things with it. You may not be able to get them to behave the way you want, but you can get you to do what you need to do. And exercise is somewhat addictive because it makes you feel good, it makes you look better. And in my case, I do it to eat more. I can't diet. To be deprived of food is just unthinkable. But if you exercise as much as I do, which is an hour and a half a day, you can eat four or five hundred extra calories. That's cheesecake, that's pizza, (laughs) that's uh, Cracker Jacks if you want them, whatever. So that, I feel, is yours, particularly for an older woman. That's something, kiddo, that belongs to you. You can use it and do it, and it can make you feel and look better. So how can you not?
0: That's true. Is, Is it equally important, though, to feed and exercise the mind as it is the body?
1: of course it's equally important. I'm so used to doing it that I don't pay any attention to that idea because I've been working as a paid employee since I hit the street running after high school. (coughs) So you can't have a job and get paid and not get fired without using your mind. And in almost any job that's interesting enough to have, or well, in almost any job, period. You need to stay informed about what's going on in the world and what's going on in your particular field. So it behooves you to read. I don't understand people who don't read a newspaper every morning. I have some close girlfriends who I don't think read anything, including recipe books. I think somebody tells them what's in there. That's incomprehensible to me. So you mentioned, isn't it important to keep your mind alive and nourished as you get older? Of course, absolutely. and the more you do, the more you get rewarded. You can't not feed the mind. But to me, that's a sense. You just sit down with the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal or Time or Newsweek or Forbes or uh, whatever, Harper's Bazaar, whatever uh, pleases. You just sit down and read it. That's easy to fix up your mind but this body stuff that's tough anybody who tells me that she or he likes exercise i think is a nutcase it hurts <laughs> how could you ever like it but the rewards are such that you do it
0: let me return if i may to the chapter on sex just for a moment before we close do women over 50 tend to feel as though if they seek out sex and because as you say it's not necessarily going to come seeking them that they will look Desperate?
1: If they, in a very overt way, yes, it would seem to be desperation. We all know women who want to get married, and almost any man who hoves into view is a possibility, and it's like they're grabbing him by the ankles and saying, You, could you be the one? I'm a wonderful person. Don't you want me? Yes, if you do it in a, in a very tacky way, it has to be done very subtly. I'm fond of pointing out that when you're 20, 30, even 40, A man may come to you. You may be attractive to him. He may say, that's the one. I want her for dinner or I want to go to bed with her. I may even want to marry her. You don't have to do a great deal except just be there. But when you're older, just being there means absolutely nothing to a man. Yet you can't do anything that's really crass. You can't say, hey, how about coming up to my room later and we'll watch The Late Show? Or what about... uh, Anything that sounds pushy, you can't do. You'll scare him to death. But if you're a businesswoman, you probably would be able to ask an attractive man to have lunch, ostensibly for something that you need in your profession. Or you can have a brunch or something for 12 people, and he can be one of the people that you invite. You have to be subtle. It's boring for somebody like me who tends to (laughs) go for the jugular and to be very direct. You can't do it and get anywhere. But first of all, I think when you're older it's important to continue to be a sexual person. At least it's important for me. It may not be for everybody. Some women may say, oh, thank God I don't have to do that anymore. But that's not my particular philosophy. First, acknowledge that you do still want to be a sexually functioning woman. Then find somebody to go about doing that with. And yes, it can be done. I've got lots of instructions for that. But
0: is is there a dilemma for the woman who's been happily married to the same man to whom she's been faithful for 20, 30, 40 years or more, and she still wants sex? He is either unwilling or unable to provide it. Must she seek an affair that she doesn't want?
1: She must not seek an affair that she doesn't want, and millions of women will choose not to do anything about sex, even though it's not happening in their marriage. I say it's possible to have sex outside of marriage, not a raging affair, not let's go off into the uh, Tahiti sunset and get lost together. That's not feasible for an older woman, but you can have a sex life occasionally with somebody that you're not married to, but obviously that's a decision for each individual to make. And I'm afraid I think that a married man that you're not married to is possibly the one who can supply this for you because a single bachelor is so much in demand. There's a long waiting list to even have uh, cocktails with him. However, a married man is not so much in demand, and he might possibly be the sexual partner who could see you occasionally, and no, I don't feel any guilt about his wife. I'm a wife. It's up to a wife to keep her husband at home if she can. If she can't, I'm not worried about, uh, well, I'm not worried about protecting her rights. She's got to do that. Just let me say, this whole book is about not accepting aging gracefully. It's about continuing to identify with the young, have something to do every day that engages you, continue to think of yourself as a sexual creature. Don't listen to the propaganda which says that you're different now that you're 68 or 55 or whatever. You ain't different. You're the same wonderful, vital, vibrant person, but you have to keep working at it.
0: How old do you feel up here right now?
1: People often ask other people that question. What is the real Mental age that you are. And I don't know, 36 or 40. I am 71. I don't think about how old I am very much except promoting this book because it's, I think I'm pretty good for 71. <laughs> but uh, I suppose I think I'm about 34, 36, something along that line.
2: Helen Gurley Brown died in 2012. She was 90. And you can get your copy of The Late Show by clicking on the link in our show notes or by going to our website, heardeverything.com. And that's also where you'll find my 1988 interview with another person who knew us a little thing or two about aging gracefully,
0: former TV personality Art Linkletter. When I was born, the average man especially could expect to have about 3% of his life in what's called after retirement because he worked until he was retired and then he died. Today we have up to 20% of our lives in a new mode. And my 2000 conversation with another woman
2: with a bestseller from the 1960s who helped shape our culture, Betty Friedan.
1: I didn't send out to make a revolution at all, you know, but I certainly didn't realize I was (laughs) going to start the most massive revolution of them all.
2: And of course we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything every Monday, Wednesday and Friday and you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Thank you so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, my conversation with an Australian author whose most famous book was turned into one of the most famous Oscar-winning movies by Steven Spielberg. My 1995 conversation with Schindler's List author Thomas Keneally.
1: This impulse to tell stories around the campfire occurs in every community small and big it's just that you other respectable
2: members of society are too busy to pursue the concept next time on now i've heard everything i'm bill thompson